Welcome to Teaching, Reading, and Writing, the official podcast of the Literacy Research Center and Clinic at the University of Wyoming. Connecting, supporting, and expanding literacy instruction within Wyoming and around the world. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Teaching, Reading, and Writing, the official podcast of the Literacy Research Center and Clinic at the University of Wyoming. I'm your host, Lee Hall, and with me today is Avia Kelly. Avia, welcome. Uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Avia is a doctoral student originally from Jamaica at the University of Wyoming, and she is interested in upper elementary students reading identity development. And so that's what we're going to talk today. And Avia, I'm wondering if we can start this conversation with just sort of helping everybody understand what exactly is a reading identity? Well, to put it simply, I think students' reading identity just has to do with how they see themselves as readers. Are they good? Are they capable? Can they understand what they're reading? So it's really about if I'm, if I'm a reader, right? My perception, right? Yes. I think I'm a strong reader and why I might think that. Exactly. Okay. And so... Um, you know, where, what do you think, like, if I think I'm a strong reader, if I think I'm a poor reader, what kinds of things do you think inform those perceptions in terms of how those identities get made? Interestingly, I think every classroom and every society has a culture of what we see as someone who's a good reader or not. And so at the very classroom level, for example, a teacher might assign students uh, different reading levels. And so that is critical because students understand what those levels mean. And so from the student perspective, if they're in the high group or the middle group or the low group, they will sometimes internalize that and think, well, I'm really a good reader because I'm in this group. But if you're in the low group, that's also quite tricky. And you might not want to challenge yourself sometimes if you're the low group student to read something that's difficult because you're thinking, well, I'm not really that good as a reader. So I'm not going to look at that book. That's beyond my level. Okay. So it's how we understand ourselves as readers mm -hmm. and the kinds of experiences that we get, right? In school. And also like I would think in our day-to-day -day life, but in school, right? Really can sort of help shape our understandings of, of how we see ourselves. Yeah, and, and you're right, because it does expand beyond school. Students do extracurricular activities. Sometimes they're engaged in churches or other groups. But in the context that I'm really interested in is what's happening in the classroom setting. But, you, but you're right. Sometimes students might be really good readers outside of the classroom, but they're reading different material or different content that's not necessarily valued as much in the classroom setting. And so... It is kind of uh, a loaded, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's still important, right? Like, because students definitely do have these perceptions of how they see themselves as readers. And if you, you know, anybody that's listening to this, right, if you go back and ask your students to describe how they see themselves as readers, even if you don't give them language, just say, hey, tell me what you think of yourself as a reader, they would be able to do that. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so why is it important then, do you think, for teachers to understand this concept about reading identity? This is important for teachers because then teachers really do influence their students. And um, from the student perspective, some, when I taught fourth grade, for example, I, I know my students really wanted to please me. 
mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, they wanted to be that kid that was, you know, seen as, as good. And so this is important for the teachers because it helps them to understand how to address the needs of their students. Um, if a student, for example, sees themselves, sees themselves as a poor reader, what are some things that maybe you can tap into? For example, what are the, what is that student interested in? I remember I had one student that was really into skateboarding. So if I really take this on a personal level, and he w- I could not get him to read or do anything much. But once the topic was skateboarding, mm-hmm. he was all over it. He would write for me. He would read for me. And so understanding that student's interests really helped me to dig a little bit deeper and to get a little bit more out of him, to challenge him more. And so I think that's a key part of it knowing what your students' interests are and then tapping into it to help them get to being a stronger, more confident reader. Mm-hmm. So really, right, if we take the skateboarding example and you know, I'm just going to kind of play with it for a minute, right? Like if you have a kid that's maybe refusing to read and write and, and participate in activities and you know, hey, this kid really likes skateboarding. So you start bringing in some materials and having them do some reading and writing and discussion around skateboarding. I think your your argument then is, right, you can sort of build up the student's confidence a little bit to say, hey, you can really read some difficult things about skateboarding, right? And there's no reason why you couldn't do this also over here with the science book, right? Or the social studies book, right? Because eventually we have to connect, we have to get them reading what what they need to read in school, right? Yes, yes. So I need to validate what they're interested in. But also, I like that try to work that into the curriculum as well. So they can see that things are connected, learning is connected anyway. And so if they can make those connections, then it's not just science, or social, not compartmentalized. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So if we think about this, right, students come with varying identities about themselves as readers, some might say I'm really good, some might say, yeah, I'm okay. Some might say I'm really bad. How does that reading identity influence what teachers are seeing around reading and reading instruction in school? Hmm. Do you repeat that question again? <laughs> how does it influence how what the teachers yeah, are so seeing? If you, if, you, if you think about, right, like students, some students see themselves as really good readers and yeah. some students see themselves as being average. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and some students see themselves as really poor readers, all right? So how does their identity influence, right? Mm-hmm. If I see myself as good, average, or poor, for example, how does how does their reading identity influence what teachers see happening around reading and reading instruction in school? Oh, okay. I think I get it now. Because, yeah, for example, I find that some students, at least when I taught, and I'll, I'll div- go to that sometimes because that's my frame of reference, but it plays out in students pushing back. They don't want to read at all. Mm-hmm. They are defiant, you know, but then there's some students who think they're excellent readers who always want to read. Have you, you know, have you been in a class where some students are always volunteering to do because they, they have that confidence, they feel um, good about themselves. And so they'll always be the one to bring in a book to share or whereas the, the students who are struggling or who are mediocre, I guess, for lack of a better word at this point, they'll, they'll, when, when it's time for library, they'll doodle, they'll do other mm-hmm. things that they're not supposed to um, be doing during reading time. They'll be passing notes. So their behaviors are not necessarily reflecting someone who is interested or wants to read or who values reading. And so mm-hmm. from the teacher point of view, um, I feel like this is, this is an indication that 
this student has is, is struggling a little bit. It's mm-hmm. not something to label them, but at the same time, it gives you a little bit of insight about how they feel. So their actions, what they're doing during reading time, um, that can be informative because how it plays out in the classroom tells you how they feel. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that those students don't want to read, right? Because they're bored. Right. You have a skateboarding example, but it might be rather that they just don't see a place for themselves as re- for as readers in school because they've had such a history of negative experiences with reading. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that is fair. And sometimes uh, the teachers really help in this context. Like I read one study that talked about, you know, as a rounded teacher, if you're reading a lot, too, sometimes you can even probe them and say, hey, I know you like this. I remember, for example, I would go to the library, the local library, um, and just try to check out a bunch of books. There were times I checked out 75 books mm-hmm. that really explained, for example, the water cycle in a host of different ways that I knew that uh, Johnny over here would like this version mm-hmm. or Kiera would like Mm-hmm. learning about it in this context. So so you're right. It really does have to do with the variety that's in the classroom because sometimes the, the library isn't that vast and knowing your students' personality. All right. Yeah. So then if we think about this, right, students, students, how they participate, the extent to which they're willing to read in school um, or talk about books and that sort of thing, right, can be shaped and influenced by if they see themselves as a good reader or a poor reader and this confidence and belief that they have in themselves to be able to do what they're being asked to do in school. So if we think about this, like for, for students who have like these histories of being really, really poor readers in school who've historically struggled, what is something that a teacher can do to try to turn that around and start to get us on, get that student on the path to fostering a positive reading identity? Like maybe just what's one thing they could do. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about that. And I really am going to go back to this validating that student as a reader, mm-hmm. for example, and, and understanding again, what, well, one thing I think that helps is giving them choice. You okay. know, sometimes a student has to read a certain level has, to, you know, this is a topic we're studying and that's what you're going to read about. Um, whereas we talked about earlier, we can read about the content in different ways. And so giving students choice is a really important um, facet of of helping them want to read Mm -hmm. and thinking that they are able to do this. And and it validates them, but it also builds their confidence. Another thing a teacher could do is, you know, sometimes model um, the reading skills that their students are struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, This just helps them to, to see, oh, how it should be done, or at least not necessarily should, but at least gives them different ways of doing and being as mm-hmm. a reader. And so I, I really think the choice and the modeling, for example, from the teacher's perspective, it helps students to see, but also to feel like what they feel and, and, and what they're interested in um, is useful and can help them to build on that. And so, for example, bringing I had students, I would allow them to bring books from home if it's about the topic that we were reading about, or if they could find a way to link it, then then they would feel so excited to bring in, okay, this is what I have at home already. And so 
then sometimes they'll even practice reading that particular text a few times. And so when they were presented it to the class, they were having success. So I would set them up for that success experience. Right. And, and, and so that really was very helpful to me. And there, there are a host of other things. Um, you know, I think what I hear you saying is that it's important, right, that you as a teacher, you're aware of who your kids are that really have had a lot of difficulties with reading and don't necessarily see themselves as being capable. And then finding ways and being very purposeful about finding ways to show them that they can be successful with reading, that they can have good experiences with reading and sort of put them on that path where it's not always about, it's not always something that's showing you how bad you are, right? But it's showing you how good you are. Yeah, set them up for success. Give them that chance to, to, to be the person that their peers can say, wow, they really understand a lot about that topic. And I like how they, they showed this and, and presented in different ways. So I, I loved that. Well, Avia, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this concept of reading identities and helping us really understand students, like just another layer of how we might understand our students so that we can be more responsive from them. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to have you. Thank you for having me. And so this concludes another episode of Teaching, Reading, and Writing. Please join us next time.